The following audio is from Crossroads Church, a church in Lincoln, Nebraska, centered around building genuine community through authentic faith. More info can be found at lincolncrossroads.com. Happy Independence Day, or I guess Independence Weekend. Um, We're almost there tomorrow. Uh, This weekend is all about freedom. We hear that word used all the time. We hear it thrown out all the... um, in so many different venues and environments, and not just this time of year, we hear that word freedom often. You know, I've come to to notice that when we, different people use the word freedom, we often are are talking about not always the same thing. You know, it seems like there's this, this rising definition of freedom that simply means the ability to do what I want, when I want. And on the surface, that basically sounds like what freedom is, right? The ability to do what I want, when I want. I can pursue what I want. I can go where I want. I can become who I want. I can make the choices for myself. To, to follow the, the preferences, the, the cravings, the desires that I have in any given moment. That's freedom. However, if you look closely, I think there's something more to it than this. Especially as it pertains to our spiritual freedom in Christ. And that's what we're going to look at today. Uh, you know, think about it this way. If uh, you have the freedom, I have the freedom to get up each morning and choose to sit on the couch and eat Cheetos all day. That is, that is a choice. It is a freedom that I have. And honestly, that kind of sounds nice, like a cold Dr. Pepper, big old bag of Cheetos, and whatever entertainment uh, sounds good in the moment. That sounds like freedom. But what if, what if there's other things that you desire? I mean, that's the freedom to eat Cheetos, sure. But if you pursue that life, if you pursue those Cheetos, if you pursue doing what I want, when I want, in any given moment... What if I desire to run a marathon? Will I ever be free to do so? What if I desire to get my PhD? Will a Cheeto life ever get me there? See, when we look at freedom from a, from a, a broader perspective, we, we begin to see that doing what I want, when I want, in the moment, does not necessarily produce the freedom to become who I want to be someday. Right? If I want to be able to bench press a thousand pounds and run a four minute mile or something ridiculous, right? If I want to be ripped, if I want to be an athlete, if I want to be able to uh, dunk a basketball until I'm 72, whatever it is, if I want to be a physical specimen, I can't choose a Cheeto kind of freedom. In fact, if I want to be free to be able to get up and run a marathon whenever I want to, if I want to be free to be able to go and, and work out with whoever's doing so and, and be able to, to, to compete at the highest level in a variety of things physically, if I want the freedom to be able to do that, then it's going to be a life of self-denial. It's going to be a life of, as we've been talking about over the last few months, a life of discipline. What kind of freedom are you after? The freedom to be able to get what you want in the moment or the freedom to be able to become who God is calling you to be. You see, the the Cheeto kind of freedom is is motivated by the desires of the moment. 
But the marathon kind of freedom, the true freedom is motivated, motivated by the dreams and the desires that God has placed in your heart. You have the freedom to do what you want when you want, but it won't give you what you're really after. You see, Paul put it this way in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12. We referenced this last week. He says, I have the right to do anything. In other, the freedom to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right, the freedom to do anything, but I will be mastered by nothing. I will not be mastered by anything. Think about that. I will not be mastered by anything, which means I will deny myself the cravings and the preferences and the desires that are right before me now. I will say no to. Why? Because not everything that is right before me that is available is the best. Because it's not going to lead me down a, la- a-, a path of freedom to become who I really long to be. You know, in uh, the book we've been referencing often, The Celebration of Discipline, Richard Foster writes this. It's a rather uh, lengthy quote, but it speaks specifically to this issue. So I want to read it for us today. Every discipline has its corresponding freedom. If I have schooled myself in the art of rhetoric... I am free to deliver a moving speech when the occasion requires it. Demosthenes was free to be in order only because he had gone through the discipline of speaking above the ocean roar with pebbles in his mouth. The purpose of the disciplines is freedom. Our aim is the freedom, not the discipline. The moment we make the discipline our central focus, we turn it into law and lose the corresponding freedom. The disciplines are for the purpose of realizing a greater good. In and of themselves, they're of no value whatsoever. They have value only as a means of setting us before God so that he can give us the liberation we seek. The liberation is the end. The disciplines are merely the means. They're not the answer, but they lead us to the answer. We must clearly understand this limitation of the disciplines if we are to avoid bondage to them. Not only must we understand, but we need to underscore it to ourselves again and again. So severe is our temptation to center on the disciplines. Let us forever center on Christ and the view of the spiritual disciplines as a way of drawing us to his heart. Now he's going to lean into a specific uh, discipline here in that of even seeing how submission, the discipline of submission, produces freedom. Check this out. He says, I said that every discipline has its corresponding freedom. What freedom corresponds to submission? It is the ability to lay down the terrible burden of always needing to get our own way. The obsession to demand that things go the way we want them to go is one of the greatest bondages in human society today. People will spend weeks, months, even years in perpetual stew because some little thing did not go as they wished. They will fuss and fume. They'll get mad about it. They'll act as if their very life hangs on the issue. They may even get an ulcer over it. In other words, your freedom to do what you want, when you want, is robbing you of the freedom to be who you want to be when it counts. Listen, we are called, as followers of Jesus, we are called to live a life of freedom. But that freedom requires that we live differently. And living differently, by definition, it will cost us. 
the reason that everybody lives the way that everybody lives, the reason that people choose the freedom that says do what you want when you want. In fact, so much so that it's, it's almost the mantra of our society today. Do what you want when you want. However you feel right now, go for it. That's what's best. But it sacrifices the freedom of really becoming who God is calling us to be, and I believe who we really desire to be in the end. But if we're up for the journey, we can start where we at, where we're at, and follow this path, as Jeremiah 6 puts it, this ancient path, this path of the disciplines will lead us to a life of freedom in Christ. This week in our Bible reading, we read uh, in Corinthians, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And as we commit to a disciplined life with Christ, when we invite the Lord into every moment, in every uh, specific decision we make, there is freedom in that life. But first, again, we, we kind of started our series with this, so I want to come back to it again. But how many of us have ever come to a place in a Christian life where we just, we just realize that, that what we thought was supposed to be working just isn't quite working the way we thought, right? So I want to ask us a question. I want to call us to a place of just like real self-awareness here. Are we willing to acknowledge that if I'm finding, if I'm not finding fulfillment in my Christian life, then it may be because the Christian life that I have pictured in my head or, or the one that, that, that I feel is what communicated from the church or, or the picture of it that I got in childhood or imposed by other believers or applied by other believers, the picture that I have in my head, could it be that it may not necessarily be the same Christian life that Jesus had in mind when he said, come follow me? I'm speaking to Christians here. Could it be that the path that we're on isn't leading us to the place we want to be? And I'm not talking about the path leading to heaven and the path leading to hell. I'm talking about those of us who, who love Jesus with all our heart, but our day-to-day lives, are they structured in a way that is modeled around the way of Jesus? Or is it modeled around some idea of what being an American Christian is supposed to be? Are we willing to at least consider that there may be some discrepancies between the two. You know, Dietrich Bonhoeffer says this, salvation is free, but discipleship will cost you your life. You know, in the mid-19th century, there was this, this holiness movement within the church, which I think was fantastic. It was a, a move to, to allow our lifestyles to really try to reflect the holiness of God. What's amazing, what happens generation after generation is in a pursuit of holiness, um, sometimes that pursuit of holiness can begin from one generation to the next, start to just look like a list of laws, a list of do's and don'ts, and, and, and it's easy to, to eventually get to a place, and, and I believe in, and maybe I'm not, this isn't universally for everybody, but in many circles in the, in the, the Christian church, we got to a place where it was more about the rules to follow. If you want to be a Christian, say a prayer and then do this list of a hundred things and then you're going to be cool with Jesus. 
Well, we've come now, and not just society, but even within the church, where there's kind of been a pendulum swing, where there have been some people that were raised up in that, that, that church environment that said, man, wait a second, why is it that we're doing these things? What's the heart of, of, of this thing? And, and, and there's been a swing to the side of, of grace. And, and I think that's the holiness movement in and of itself, a, a call to holiness is something that was good. But we've got to be careful where it leads that we maintain the heart of God. But then there's, it's so easy to swing and then just swing so far the other way that we said, look, this was all about the rules, but now you don't have to do anything to be a Christian. You, there's nothing. If, if, in fact, if anybody says that you have to do something, then that's inherently unchristian. Friends, I think it's time to swing back a little bit in the direction of holiness it's time to grow up and realize that if we're actually going to follow Jesus, then there just might be some things that we have to do that we don't want to do. I know, I know your reaction sometimes, many of us is like, whoa, 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 that doesn't sound like grace. But if I read the Gospels, it does sound a lot like Jesus, who tells a, tells a young man, with a pure heart, hey, what do I need to do to find eternal life? And he told him what to not believe. He told him what to not feel. He told him not to, what to confess. He told him what to do with his lifestyle, more pointedly, with his money. Friends, I believe that God is calling us to a life of discipline. So I want to look at where do we start? What do we go with this? Where do we go with this? Listen to the words of Jesus. In Luke chapter 14, verse 25 to 33. You know, again, I know there's still some people who are like, man, but what about grace? What about grace? This isn't all of grace. How can you say that, that we're supposed to do things? How, how can we say that if we're, we can't follow Jesus without this list? And I'm not saying it's about the list. Again, like we read that quote from Foster, it's about the heart. We can't lose the fact that we're after God, but God has uniquely made us that when we submit to the disciplines that he leads us, it, with the, the focus of, of seeing Christ more fully, it leads us to a place of freedom in our life and uh, in our spiritual lives. Listen, listen to what Jesus says. Uh, Luke chapter 14, verse 25 to 33. He says, large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and turning to them, he said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brother and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Whew! You know, we want to say, hey, if you just love Jesus, if you just pray this prayer, man, the grace of God covers you. He says, no, no, you've got to be all in. Now, the word hate in the Greek, um, it, it's, it's a word that, that's used, I mean, it's strong. I don't want to take away from that word. It is very strong language that Jesus used, but it, it's used in, compar- in a comparative nature, in a comparative context. He's saying, if you don't hate father and mother, wife and children, brother and sisters, even your own life, he says, in comparison to your love for Christ, if the next closest earthly love, the greatest love that you've ever known is so far away from your full-on commitment to Jesus, 
And what you'd pick Jesus over your wife, you'd pick Jesus over your kids, over your parents, over your brother and sisters. It's Jesus and only Jesus, and there's no other way. In fact, if if you don't love him so much that even the love that you have for your closest family looks like hate, then you you have no business following me. See, that's strong language. He goes on to say, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay a foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule, saying the person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go off to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he's able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he's not able, he'll send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. Wow, that's so strong. He's saying, listen, your family does not come above Jesus. In fact, if you don't like that, this is what he says. Like, you need to count what it's going to cost you to be his follower. See, Paul talks, and just in case you're like, well, maybe we're, we're missing this. Paul talks a lot about the same idea. Romans 6.19, just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer yourself as slaves to righteousness leading to holiness. That doesn't sound like slavery to me, but it does sound like the gospel. 1 Corinthians 9.27, I strike a blow to my body and I make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself may not be disqualified for the prize. Galatians 5.24, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. We are so quick to talk about God's grace, and we're so quick to talk about our freedom. But when we define freedom as doing what we want, when we want, the rest of these scriptures don't make any sense. But when we begin to open up our understanding of what true Christian freedom is all about, we begin to realize that the freedom that God is inviting us into is a life of disciplining my will, surrendering my preferences to the way of my Savior. Today, the bottom line is this. Are we willing to not just come to church and hear the preacher talk about all these different disciplines, but are we willing to revolve our lives, to shift our lives, to make the necessary changes in the day-to-day in order to submit ourselves to these disciplines, these pathways that lead to freedom in Christ? You know, as we look at all those those texts, those hard texts, those hard passages from Jesus, those hard passages from Paul, uh, Dallas Willard in The Spirit of the Disciplines, um, understanding how God changes lives, he, he, he writes about these texts and how our modern understanding kind of misses it. He says this, both the secular and the religious setting in which we live today is almost irresistibly biased towards an interpretation of these passages that condones a life more like that of decent people around us than like the life of Paul and his Lord. We talk about leading a different different kind of life, but we also have ready explanation for not really being different. And with those explanations, we have talked our way out of the very practices that alone would enable us to be citizens of another world. One of the greatest deceptions in the practice of the Christian religion is the idea that all that really matters is our internal feelings, ideas, beliefs, and intentions. It is this mistake, more than anything else, that divorces salvation from real life. 
leaving us a head full of vital truths about God and a body unable to fend off sin. So, are we willing to acknowledge that there may be discrepancy between what we thought the Christian life was supposed to look like and, and what Jesus had in mind? You know, Second Peter 1, 5-11 says this, For this very reason, make every effort, I love that, every effort, to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection love. I guess the question that I want to ask us today is, what have you added to your faith lately? What have you added to your faith? We, we, we often go to, uh, may I have faith, and then I'm called to love. And so I've got faith, and I've got love, and I'm good to go. But, but here Paul puts several steps in between this faith and love connection. Faith to goodness, and goodness add knowledge, and then add self-control, and then add perseverance, and then add godliness, and then add mutual affection, and then we come to love. So how do we add to our faith? How, how, do, we, how do we do that? We, well, we don't just download it. Wouldn't that be nice? I'll get a quick download, quick upgrade. It doesn't work that way. Just plug in and here we go. Boom. Okay, I came to church. I just grew in goodness today. All right. Oh man, I went to the prayer service last night. Filled up with knowledge. I'm good to go. No, we don't, we don't download, we don't update our lives with the latest version of, of, of Christian growth and health. No, 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 we have to learn it. And how do we learn it? The same way we learn to play the violin or throw a curveball or learn a new language. Practice. Here's a quote from from Richard Foster. The spiritual disciplines are things that we do. We must never lose sight of this fact. It is one thing to talk piously about the solitude of the heart, but if that does not somehow work its way into our experience, then we have missed the point of the disciplines. We are dealing with actions, not merely states of mind. It is not enough to say, well, I'm most certainly in possession of inner solitude and silence. There's nothing I need to do. All those who have come into the living silences have done certain things, have ordered their lives in a particular way so as to receive this peace that passes all understanding. If we are to succeed, we must pass beyond the theoretical into life situations. So, What we're going to do for the next few moments is just review the spiritual disciplines, the spiritual pathways that we've been exploring over the course of the last couple months. In fact, I would encourage you that as you land on maybe a couple of them, that you would go back and and re-watch the the message, listen to the message and, and, and begin to, to find some truth, some practical things to apply to it. Pick up the book, Celebration of Disciplines. I highly recommend that. You'll find the disciplines we talked about, or most of them, and, and then some, some more. But let's commit ourselves to grow. Now, here's the thing. There are so many. Uh, over the course of the last couple of month, months, we talked about Bible disciplines of meditation and study, the prayer disciplines of prayer and worship, the retreat disciplines of rest, Sabbath, and celebration, the active disciplines of work and exercise, the community disciplines of fellowship, conversation, and confession, 
the quiet disciplines of silence and solitude, the abstaining disciplines of fasting and uh, abstinence. So I, I want to put them all in, in three categories for us to, to help us kind of digest and process all of this. And, and I believe these three categories are going to provide for us maybe a means of, of attacking this. Like, where do we start? There's maybe some of you who are watching this right now that, that you are really strong in some of these areas. And then there's others who maybe you've not really practiced any of these Maybe you're new to the faith, or, or maybe you've been a Christian for a while, and, and, and truly you love Jesus, and you put your, put your life in him, and you trust him, but you've never really disciplined your lifestyle to that of one who follows Christ in these ways. So here are three different categories that we're, we're lumping all of these, these disciplines into one of these three categories to help us know where to start. So first, let's talk about the time disciplines. Um, and when, I, when I'm talking about that, I'm talking about Sabbath, celebration, and silence and solitude. Here's the thing. It's hard to practice any discipline if you never stop and give it the necessary time. You know, if you, if you can't stop what you're doing to rest, even the disciplines that you do practice will lack their full impact because they'll inevitably be rushed, right? Right? So here we are, we're like, okay, I'm ready. I'm going to practice some discipline. I want to grow. Man, I want to, I want to discipline my cravings. I want to discipline my desires because I don't want just freedom to do what I want when I want. I want true freedom that is going to produce in me something that I really value, something that is going to glorify God, something that is going to make, allow me to, to find that fulfillment and that rest and that peace and that joy and that love and that full life. I want that kind of freedom. And I'm ready. I'm willing to do this. But here's the thing. Sometimes we get this, this excited rush, this, this new momentum, and we're like, yeah, let's go. But if we never carve out time to practice, we won't ever practice. Like that, all that energy will be wasted if we never put it on the calendar. Like sometimes we think that we can just will it into effect. I can... Uh, not cut anything out of my life, not put any boundaries around my time, and I just am going to will it into the little time crevices that, no, nah, it's not going to work. <laughs> Let's just be real. It's not going to work. It might, that, that approach might work a couple times while your, your energy and your commitment and your motivation is still high, but as soon as that motivation wanes, the, the daily activities are going to push all of that right back out, and you're going to be right back where you started. Again, the, the goal of this these practices are to establish it into a lifestyle. The first step is to, I would encourage you, if you're just starting at the beginning, practice one of, discipline yourself to practice one of these first disciplines. Sabbath, celebration, silence, and solitude. It's really the, the rest uh, and retreat style of disciplines. Why? Because it's in these disciplines that you are forced to set aside time. Sabbath in and of itself, taking one day of the week to do no work, to allow your physical body, your mental body, your emotional self, your spiritual self, the rest that God intended you to experience so that you could know him in the fullest way, that you'd be full for the work that he has in front of you. But you can't do that without creating the time. You can't do that without pushing the work into another time and space. And I think it's the same practice. It's that same discipline that allows us to have quiet time. 
Even celebration, schedule times where, where you don't allow work to get in, where you can just celebrate the goodness of life, of family, of, of, of what God has done. Schedule some times of silence and solitude, whether, again, that's an individual time in your quiet time or maybe a, a longer period of time, taking a few hours, just stepping away and getting away for a little bit. Now, let me tell you this, I, the silence and solitude thing, I'll touch on it really quick because if, you, if you're in a season of life where you've got family, maybe you've got some kids, um, and, and, or maybe you don't have kids, but you're just, just married, and you feel like it is selfish to ask for time away or, or to insist on time away just for silence and solitude. If you're married, would you do this? Would you initiate for your spouse a time of silence and solitude? That, they, that you would take over whatever responsibilities they have. And I'm not talking about every single day, not even every week, but, but, but find a time to say, man, you just need to go spend some time with the Lord. Not, again, do it with tact and great. No, you need some Jesus time. No, no, uh, but, but allow them, do that for them. Because so often, many of us don't take this because we think that the responsibilities, even good responsibilities, like family, prevent us from walking this path. So do whatever it takes. Start by practicing clearing out time to celebrate the disciplines, to practice those disciplines. The second kind of category we're putting them in is the practice discipline. So first, we got to submit our time to the Lord. God, this is your time, not mine. I'm giving it to you. I'm going to rest. I'm going to celebrate. I'm going to Sabbath. I'm going to be silent in solitude before you. Uh, I'm giving you, I'm submitting to you my time. The second uh, category of disciplines, the next place to start is the practice disciplines. Okay, I've set aside the time. Now, what am I going to do in that time? It's Now we begin to practice something. We're going to practice Bible reading. We're going to practice prayer. We're going to practice um, worship. We're going to practice uh, meditation, be it on the word or meditating on, on the nature and the character of, of Christ. But now we've got to fill that time, okay? We submit our time to him. Now we submit our activity to him. We submit, what are we going to do with that time? I'm, I'm going to spend it in the word. But because I've carved out the time, I'm not watching the clock. I'm, I'm, my, my mind is not going other places. I'm focused on the word. I can focus on prayer. I can give him, I can submit to him my activity in that time. Honestly, interestingly enough, this is typically where we're coached, right? This is usually like, you get saved, okay, read your Bible. You get saved, now go pray. But the problem is, if we don't start at step one by, by submitting our time to God, we're rarely ever going to find uh, success and consistency in submitting our activity to God, submitting our practices to God. Prayer and Bible reading will constantly be a struggle for you, and maybe this is maybe you've experienced this. If 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 all you're trying to do is pray and read the Bible, rather than saying, "God, I'm going to give you this set amount of time," now that you have this time, okay, I'll fill it with these different practices. I don't feel guilty that I I, I didn't. I'm not praying enough. I'm not reading my Bible enough. I'm not journaling enough. I'm not worshiping enough. I've given you this time. Now, as you can expand that time, fantastic. But I've given you this time, and now I'm going to fill it with these activities that are going to uh, be more pathways, more disciplines, so they're going to lead me to a place of freedom in life. And the third uh, kind of category of disciplines I want to look at is the lifestyle disciplines. So we start with giving them a specific time. Then we begin to fill that time with the practices, with the different activities. And then the next one, the lifestyle disciplines, work, exercise, fellowship, conversation, uh, confession. Really, these are the active ones and the community ones. These are ones that aren't necessarily uh, something that takes place in a single moment, but rather they're, they're things that encompass our entire lives. It's understanding that our entire life is submitted to God to use him, to, to use as he wants. 
when I can begin to see my work as, as, a, uh, as, a, as a way of glorifying God in my nine to five. That it's not, uh, I, I live my Christian life, I live my family life, I live my work life, but rather work is an expression of the glory of God through me. That my exercise, that I'm taking care of my body, that, that my, my community, my conversation, being vulnerable in confession and fellowship and connecting with one another, uh, these are things that are, that are lifestyle things. So, so let, me, let me just encourage you. And would you, would you walk through these times, Sabbath, celebration, silence, and solitude? Uh, practice or, or active um, activity practices or, or disciplines, Bible, prayer, worship, meditation. Three, the lifestyle disciplines, work, exercise, fellowship, conversation, confession. Listen, you can start at number three because those are the ones that seem like, oh, I'm just going to, my first one, I'm going to choose to see my work as, listen, these tend to wane very quickly without the establishment and the foundation of the disciplines established in, 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 one, in category one and category two. Start with giving them your time. Start there. Then begin to put different things, activities, and practices into that time. And then begin to, to, to see him in, in every aspect of life. But here's, here's, here's where I tend to go with something like this. I'm like, this is way too many to start. So here's my challenge. Take one per category. In the time category, take, take Sabbath, take celebration, take silence and solitude, take one of it, and just spend the next six to eight weeks, spend the rest of July and August getting, into, uh, getting you through the summer and just say, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to focus my attention on giving you my time in this capacity and see what God does with that. And then also take one practice. Man, God, I want to grow in my Bible reading. I want to grow my prayer. I want to grow my worship. I want to grow my meditation. You see, if you just say, I'm going to do all of these, you're going to go and do all of them tomorrow and get all burned out, and then you're going to quit. It's too fast. Pick one. Which one do you, it doesn't mean you can't do any of the others, but pick one and grow in it. Be committed to it. Number th- then number three, God, where do you want to begin to glorify God in your lifestyle? Is it in the way that you approach work? Is it the taking care of your physical body? Is it in fellowship and carving out time for community with, with, with uh, brothers and sisters in Christ? Is it just simply engaging in more conversations with people that you can just speak life in those small little ways? Is it in confession and learning to be vulnerable with people? But I would tell you, pick one from each category and commit to it for, the, for all through July and through August. And then see what God does in those areas of your life. I would argue, now again, your whole life is not going to be fixed in two months. But I would argue that as you begin to do it, you're going to begin to find freedom in your life in areas that you didn't even know you needed freedom in. As you start to submit to him your time, submit to him your practices, these spiritual practices and, and activities, and submit to him your lifestyle. I want to wrap up with a couple more quotes from Dallas Willard here. It says, The general human failing is to want what is right and important, but at the same time not to commit to the kind of life that will produce the action we know to be right and the condition we want to enjoy. So, ironically, in our efforts to avoid the necessary pains of discipline, we miss the easy yoke and the light burden. We then fall into the rendering frustration of trying to do and be the Christian we know we ought to be without the necessary insight and strength that only the disciplines can provide. 
we become unbalanced and are unable to handle our lives. Friends, we know, we have this promise that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And when I look at the life of Jesus, and I even go back further, all the way to Jeremiah, and he says, stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it and you'll find rest for your souls. Friends, you'll find the freedom that you're looking for. So let's put it into action. Let's not delay. Let's not wait one more day. Let's, let's take steps down the path. You're not going to be at the destination tomorrow, but God is more concerned about the journey than he is about the destination. He's taking you to good places. You can trust him, but will you take that next step? Let me pray for us. Father, I thank you for your leading and guiding always. Father, I thank you that you have freedom in, in, in store for us. God, your word also says that he who the Son sets free is truly free. And God, we want to walk the path of freedom. We want to walk that ancient path, that, that path that you walked and modeled for us, a path of denying my, my cravings and my, my desires of the moment that I'd see fulfillment in who I am called to be. God, that those desires and dreams within me that you have placed would come to fruition, that we would know true freedom that you offer. God, we love you and we praise you. We thank you for your leading in our lives today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to this audio from Crossroads Church. Feel free to share this audio with others, but please do not alter or edit the content in any way. For more information about Crossroads, please visit lincolncrossroads.com.